It would be good if I turned the microphone on. There we go. We welcome each one. I welcome those who are watching online as well, uh, because they couldn't hear uh, what I just said a few seconds ago. And so we welcome you, and we trust the Lord's blessing uh, to be upon us. We're going to commence by turning to the hymn number 88. Uh, the hymn 88, O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye, to Bethlehem. O come, all ye faithful, a well-known song about the birth of the Savior. We'll stand as we sing tonight.
hand. You may be seated. We're going to turn in the Word of God this evening to Isaiah chapter 9, the ninth chapter of the book of Isaiah, and commencing to read at the verse 1. Isaiah chapter 9, and as we come this evening, we're thinking upon the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the next, the next number of services, uh, with the exception, I think, of next Sunday morning when we'll finish off this morning's message, uh, we will be looking at uh, various aspects of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we have a prophecy uh, concerning his birth and who he is and the great names uh, by which he is known. And the Word of God says, Isaiah 9, verse 1, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation, and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood, but they shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his precious and infallible truth tonight. Now let us unite together in prayer as we come in worship to the Lord and as we come to consider uh, the word that he has for us this evening uh, later on in this service as well. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we give thee thanks this evening that we can enter into thy presence. And what a joy it is for us, those who are sinners, condemned and unclean, but saved by grace. What a joy and what a privilege it is for us as the church of Christ to enter in uh, to thy courts, to come to the throne of grace, and to bring our petitions uh, to thee, our God. And Father, we thank thee tonight that we can reflect upon uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we think of this world and all of its celebrations of the flesh 
at this time of year. And Father, we uh, realize that many of these things are carried out because of uh, the Savior. And because men think they're celebrating the birth of a child when in fact they are catering to their own lusts and desires. And Father, tonight we pray that as we consider thy truth and consider something of the birth of Christ, and we'll do so over the next number of weeks, we pray that as we look at the truth of Scripture and the reality of the birth of the Savior and why He came into the world, that this would be a witness against uh, the celebrations and the indulging of the flesh and the desire for sin and wickedness that we see in this world. We pray, Father, that uh, the real reason that Christ came into the world to save sinners uh, would be boldly believed and proclaimed by us. And we thank Thee tonight for what we have read that reminds us of the one who is wonderful and counselor, the one who is the mighty God, the one who is the Prince of Peace. And we rejoice tonight, O God, that we come to worship Thee and we come to preach a message about the glorious Prince of Peace, the one who left heaven to come to earth to die for the sins of His people. And tonight, O God, we realize that this world in its wickedness and in its division, in its depravity, it needs the, the Prince of Peace. It needs thy so great salvation. It needs men and women to repent of sin and to look unto the one who is indeed the Prince of Peace. And we thank thee tonight uh, that we who are saved and redeemed know what it is to have and enjoy that peace, that peace that passeth all understanding, that peace that comes from Christ and His work alone. And tonight, O oh God, as we come to meet with Thee, we pray Thou would bless us, <clears throat> Thou would meet our needs, and that as Thy Word is proclaimed, that Thou would touch hearts, draw souls unto Thyself, we pray. Our Father, we are mindful of the needs of our congregation. Uh, we think of the various ministries we have. We think, Father, of those who need Thy presence and Thy help. And we pray that Thou would draw graciously near and bless them and give them the grace and the strength that they need. We do remember our denomination and our sister congregations. Remember, Father, those churches that have no pastor at this time. Bless them. Keep Thy hand upon them. And as they seek Thy will, uh, we pray that Thou would indeed not only draw them to the right man, but uh, draw the right man to them as well. We pray that Thou would uh, meet the needs of our missionaries as they seek to serve Thee and other places. Uh, Father, keep Thy hand upon us, and may we as a denomination and as a church go forward for Thee, preaching Christ and not being ashamed of the glorious gospel of our Savior. Father, bless us. Do us good this evening. Forgive us for our sins, and may we glorify Thee in all that we do and all that we say we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. We're going to turn again in our hymnals to hymn number 89. 
89 angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply echo back their joyous strains. The hymn 89 will stand again as we sing, please. be seated. Returning this evening in the Word of God to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel. 
And we'll read from verse 18. Of course, we have a genealogy here, and it traces the line of the Savior from Abraham right through many of the Old Testament kings and to Joseph, his earthly father. And we break into that passage then, the verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his precious and inerrant truth tonight. We do extend again a warm welcome to each one present and trusting the Lord's blessing upon us and those who are watching online as well. Do you remember the various meetings and gatherings throughout uh, this week? Uh, we're coming to a season where there are more uh, gatherings than we normally have. And so do remember tomorrow at 12 p.m. at Newlands Golf and Country Club, uh, we have the second sitting of our 55-plus Christmas lunch. And so do uh, remember that. The address is on the bulletin. And uh, there are those who did not go on, Monday, on Saturday, yesterday. Uh, your names are on the list for tomorrow. And we're looking forward uh, to seeing you there. Uh, if it is that you want to go and you, your name is not on the list, uh, we may uh, be able to accommodate you. I think there's one or two are unsure about coming. And being a weekday, it may be much easier uh, to have a few extra. And so if it is you're, you haven't put your name on the list and still want to go, uh, then do uh, speak to me as soon as uh, possible, please. On Wednesday, we have our Permian Bible study at 7.30 p.m. Uh, in the prayer room downstairs and then on Zoom. And this week, uh, we'll be taking a break from our study in the Psalms. We'll be watching uh, the Reverend Saunders' PowerPoint report. Uh, our brother was in Korea uh, just a few weeks ago. We have a work there associated with us, and he visited that work. He uh, visited many sites in Korea as well and fellowshiped with uh, people from the church. 
And it was under our mission board that he went out uh, to see the work. And so he put together a PowerPoint. He has an audio commentary on it as well. And it's around 16, 17, 18 minutes. And we'll be taking time on, Tuesday, on Wednesday evening. Uh, I'll be reading a few verses, a couple of brief comments, and then uh, we will watch uh, this PowerPoint. So do remember that. And I think for those on Zoom, uh, we'll be able to stream that over uh, so you can uh, see that as well. But do remember that, and we uh, can hear about that work. We can focus our prayers upon uh, that work also. On Friday, the 15th of December, this incoming Friday at 7 p.m., we have our Christmas social and fellowship here in the church, commencing at 7 p.m. And so at 7 p.m., we'll be here upstairs uh, there'll be a time uh, where uh, various individuals at this point, it's the Sunday school children, and then the rest of the congregation will be singing, and we will be having some readings. Uh, there'll be a quiz, and uh, there'll be a devotion from the Word of God. There'll be a testimony as well. And uh, we're looking forward to a time together as we reflect upon the Savior's birth as different individuals from our congregation take part. And then around 8 p.m., maybe give a few minutes extra, we'll be going downstairs and having uh, some food together. It is a potluck, as normally is the case. And so uh, we do ask you to bring something along to share. And uh, we uh, trust that it would be a blessed time. There's lists on the table for various items, such as reading or singing, if uh, you want to take part. And then another list uh, for food. And if it comes to Friday and you're thinking of coming, but you haven't put your name on the list, uh, maybe you're not able to bring something, come anyway. And uh, don't let that put you off. And let us have a time together and a time of fellowship uh, as the people of God. And so do remember that. Then on Saturday at 8 a.m., we have a monthly men's prayer breakfast. And so men folk do bring something to share for breakfast. We'll have that time uh, together. On uh, the 24th and 31st of December, due to the uh, holiday season, there will be no Sunday school. And on the 31st of December, I'm preaching in Calgary, and the preacher at both services will be Mr. Stephen Boyd from our Prince George congregation. Our church celebrates its 40th anniversary next year, and so we're asking if there are those in the congregation who have any photographs of special occasions, etc., uh, any news articles or items of interest regarding the congregation here, uh, then uh, do contact me. Uh, we can scan in and take a copy of your original, give it back to you, and those items can be used uh, next year uh, for presentations, etc. Uh, so do uh, bear that in mind. It will be a special year reflecting upon 40 years uh, of the witness of this congregation, 40 years since the Reverend Gallagher left Northern Ireland uh, to come here uh, to minister the Word of God. Uh, so do remember that. Uh, we also have a week of prayer that has been arranged uh, from uh, the Monday the 8th uh, to Friday uh, the 12th of January, uh, that uh, second uh, week in January. Uh, we're meeting on Zoom only uh, Monday to Friday, 7 p.m. Uh, for an hour, and then on Wednesday our prayer meeting will be at 7.30 it will be in person, the, the usual arrangements. Uh, so do remember that, and uh, we will be putting that in the bulletin uh, later on as well. These are all the announcements, the subject to God's will, and we're going to turn in our hymnals uh, to the hymn number 100, the hymn number 100. 
Uh, we'll remain seated while our tithes for the Lord's work are received. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. The hymn 100, remaining seated for the first part, please. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for your goodness to us and your faithfulness in providing for all our needs. We thank you, Lord, for these tithes and this offering. May it be used wisely for your name's sake and for the gospel's sake. We pray now for your help, dear God, in the, in, in the preaching of your word and as we listen. Bless all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's change our positions. We'll stand for verse 3, the final verse of this hymn, please.
turning again in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 1. And believe it or not, uh, that is the first time uh, that I've, singing, I've sang that hymn in church uh, in Northern Ireland. Uh, some of the uh, songs, the incarnation that we have in our hymnal here are not in their hymnal. Uh, sometimes uh, we sing outside the hymnal some of the Christmas songs, uh, but that uh, particular one I've never sang and never led in church before. I don't think I've ever sang it. And uh, so there's a first time uh, for everything. Um, I let our musicians pick the hymns uh, for today and uh, the uh, songs, the Christmas carols for this evening. And uh, so there was a couple there I never sang in church before. And some that I knew, some uh, I know the tune of that one quite well, uh, but it's maybe a little high uh, for me. Uh, but it's great to sing of the birth of Christ and to remind ourselves that he came into the world. And as we turn to his word tonight, we see the reason uh, why he came into the world. Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 1, and the verse 21 and it is the verse we brought the cur home last Lord's Day. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We have the reason right there and why the Savior came into the world. And we have the reason right there why we should remember the birth of Christ and why we should preach the birth of Christ. As we've said, uh, there are those, and uh, this time, this season, is a reason for them to enjoy themselves and to enjoy the pleasures of sin and to enjoy the flesh. But yet, here we have the reason why we should preach Christ, why we should preach His birth, why we should, uh, at this time of year, point men and women to the Savior, for He shall save his people from their sins. There is a reason. There is a purpose in the coming of Christ. And as his church, it is our responsibility to uphold that, to preach that, uh, that all the world uh, may know uh, that he is the Lord and uh, that he is the Savior. That is not uh, the sermon tonight, uh, but let us pray and let us seek the Lord as we come to consider his word. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee tonight for the Scriptures of truth. We thank Thee for this passage that reminds us ever so clearly that the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, and He came into this world for a purpose, to save His people from their sins. And how marvelous that is, and how wonderful that great truth is to our hearts and to our souls. And Father, tonight we thank Thee that we meet here this evening, that there is a church here, that we can sing thy praises and hear thy word week after week after week because Christ Jesus came into the world and he was called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We thank thee for the Savior. We thank thee for his precious blood that was shed upon Calvary. We thank thee, O God, that we can gather here and remember uh, this great truth, this great doctrine, this great event that has changed the course of this world. And where there has been darkness, there has been light. 
And where there has been no hope, there has been a glorious hope found in the Savior. And tonight, Father, we pray for those who are in sin and those who have no hope that they would indeed rejoice that there is a Savior and His very name teaches them that they can be saved and they can be redeemed from their sins. Father, bless thy word to us. May Christ be glorified. May Christ be uplifted. May Christ be preached as he ought to be preached. And we pray and ask for thy help and the help of thy spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. When we come to consider this passage this evening, we find that there is a name involved. There is a name involved. And that name is the name of Jesus. And we often think of the Savior, and we often think of this particular name and its meaning. And it is true that when we think of names, when we consider the names of individuals, how important those names are. How important those names are. And tonight, when we think of your name, or when we think of my name, it is something that reveals to us our identity. It reveals to us who we are in the sight of God. It reveals to us in life our identity, our culture, and of course our name is a very important and special thing. And we see that. And we see that in society. And we see that as we meet individuals. As we go about our business, I was reading an article from uh, the University of British Columbia, and uh, they emphasized uh, the importance of names. And they emphasized the importance of names showing forth the identity and the culture of individuals and their families and their historical background, perhaps in certain places. All these things are found in names of individuals. Of course, they go on to tell and to relate to us some very important things regarding the wokeness that we see in society. But at the very commencement, they say something that is certainly true. Our name is important to our identity. And dear believer this evening, when we consider the name that is before us tonight, how important it is, how vital this name is, how significant the name of the Savior is to us and to his people. And I want you to uh, consider this evening, uh, then this verse 21, and Joseph has received a glorious message. He's received a message that the angel has brought to him. Of course, there was a situation that had arisen, and we find that 
before their marriage, that Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And as we consider that this evening, we find that at this point the Lord had stepped into history. It was time for the Messiah to come. His ordained vessel was uh, this woman, Mary. And before the marriage with her husband, she was found to be with child. That would immediately change the circumstances and change her engagement. And here in the, uh, in the Jewish culture, this engagement uh, was very much stronger than what our engagements would be in society today. And uh, he was minded to put her away privily, not make her a public example. And so Joseph was intending to do this, but the angel came and spoke, and spoke wondrous things, because Joseph realized that the one who was going to be born was the Messiah, the one who would deliver, the one who would save. And in verse 21, he was told, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. From their sins. The Lord had a time and he had a season for the Messiah to come, and that time had arrived. Many years had passed, around 4,000 years from Eden to Bethlehem. 4,000 years had passed by, but yet there were those who were looking for the birth of the Messiah and desiring that he would come. We can think of the second coming of the Savior only 2,000 years since his death or abouts, and yet there are men who are mocking and laughing and scorning that our Savior will come again. But yet, God, as we see, has a time and has a place and has a purpose in the victorious return of his Son. He shall save his people from their sins. And tonight I want us to consider then this subject, the blessed name of Jesus. The blessed name of Jesus. It is a precious name. It is the name of the Son of God. It is a name that was given to this child, coming from the original Hebrew, the name Joshua, which means Jehovah saves. And so, this child with this name emphasizes the salvation of Jehovah, and it is a significant name. Verse 23, again, we have another name. And a prophecy, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Our names mean something, as we have said already. And names are often obtained through various means. We receive our name at birth. 
When Christ was born, he would receive that name. Luke tells us, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Names are received at birth. Names can be an inheritance, an inheritance. Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Great titles, great titles. Hebrews tells us, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Christ received this title, inherited this title, inherited these names, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And how wonderful that name is. And we've drawn attention to it already, the Prince of Peace. The one who came into this world, a world that was at war with God, a world that hated Christ and the gospel and the Savior and hated God and his word and his law and still does. But yet he came as the Prince of Peace, the one who would change the world, the one who would bring light into the darkness and bring peace into despair. Oh, what wonderful names he has. Names can be given through achievement as well. Men can be called names. We can think uh, of the system in the United Kingdom uh, where men are elevated to the House of Lords and they take a name and they are called Lord or Baron of such and such a place because of achievements in society or achievements in politics and they're given a new name and a new identity. And when we think of that, uh, the Savior is one who has achieved great things. In Philippians 2, in the verse 9, uh, we read about the Savior, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A name because of his achievements, because of his conquering, because he humbled himself and came into this world to redeem his people. And names are given for many reasons. They're given for identification. A name in Bible times is given to identify a person. If I was after this service uh, to point you out and say, you know, you need to talk to that person over there. The person, uh, perhaps, perhaps they have a beard, perhaps they have dark hair, perhaps uh, they have a bright coat on, whatever it is, and I'm pointing out that person. And then they look at me and they think, why are you pointing at me? Why do you not say that that's my name and this is who I identify as? We would think it was quite rude if we know someone's name and we just start pointing and trying to draw attention to them. But the Savior, and we see this today, we see this in Bible times, names are given to identify, to identify. We know each other's names. We know who we are. If I went and uh, called 
uh, one of you by the wrong name, you would correct me or someone else would correct me, because that's not who we identify as. And the Savior is given this name of Jesus. It identifies him. It identifies him as one who has that great name, Jehovah saves. A name above every name. A name that reminds us of who he is. We're given names regarding office as well. Often when a person is appointed to a position or to an office, he is given a name to signify that position or office. Uh, we can think of uh, King Charles, Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales, became king when his mother passed away. And he had the choice to use the name Charles or to use one of his other names. And he chose to use the name that we've known him by for the past 70 years, Charles. I think it would have been a bit strange if he had took another name and became King Philip or something else. Uh, but he had that choice. He could use any of his names to identify his office, not as a prince, but now as a king. And the Savior's name, the name of Jesus, the name we have here in verse 23, Emmanuel, the name of Christ, it signifies his position, the one who is the Son of God, the one who is the Savior. It describes as well. Names not only identify a person, but they tell us of their character as well. The name of mighty God, the name of Prince of Peace, the name of Jesus, as we've said, it reminds us of something about their character. And the name Andrew means manly and strong and courageous. And immediately you're thinking, that's a good name. That's a great name. Or maybe you're not thinking that at all. And maybe you know an individual, and they have a great name, a name that means so much and has great meaning attached to it, but yet they act the opposite. And they act uh, the opposite. My second name is Paul. The name Paul, as we often remind our father, uh, means small. And, well, I don't think small is a word that would describe me. And so uh, the name Andrew is much better. But we look at people's names and what they mean and how they describe perhaps that person, or maybe not at all. And the name Jesus that we have here, the name that is given is a descriptive name. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jehovah is salvation. Why? Well, because Jehovah is salvation. And because through his Son, Jehovah will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus, it means something. And today when we look at society and when we think of those who are engaged in celebrating Christmas, engaged in the parties in the office, engaged in all the events and festivities that happen in society, and I'm not talking about events within the church and the church coming together and the church preaching Christ. I'm talking about events that are secular, events that focus on those secular aspects of Christmas that have no bearing in the Word of God. 
Uh, we can think of the trees and the elves, and we can think of the reindeer and the sleigh and all of these things. And society is focused upon it. They know who Jesus is. They know who Christ is. His name is there, Christmas. But they don't think upon that name. The name is in their face at this time of year. They're focused upon it. They hear it every day. They've been looking forward to this event that is named after the Savior for months and months and months. The great time of the year where stores make their money. And it's in our faces. And society is focused upon it. This name, Christ, or Emmanuel, or Jesus, it's there in front of them this entire month and before and beyond. But yet they never think of the great meaning of that name. Because the name Jesus reminds men and women that Jehovah saves. And it reminds men and women of the reason why Jehovah saves. And the reason why they need Jehovah to save because of their sin and because of their iniquity and because of their rebellion against God. The name Jesus so associated with this season, yet not in the minds of many who blindly indulge in secular festivities. But the name is there. That excellent name, the name of the Son of God, an excellent name as the Son of God, the one who came into this world to be the Savior and the Deliverer, and this name of Jesus reminds us of his presence. When we think of verse 23, Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And we're encouraged here because the Savior is God with us. When we meet as his people, God is with us. The Savior is with us. Emmanuel. It reminds us of his authority. The authority of God was stamped upon this name. It reminds us of what he's done for us because the name indicates that he is that blessed Savior, the one who will deliver, the one who will deliver. As the church of Christ, our hopes are founded upon his name. As the church of Christ, we rejoice in his name. It's a name that is fresh, a name that is life, a name that we rejoice in because he truly is the Prince of Peace. And the question comes to you and to I tonight, do we rejoice in this excellent name? Do we treasure the name of Christ? Is it a name that's upon our lips? Do we sing about the blessedness of this name and the great truths that this name brings to our hearts and to our souls that there is a Savior and there is one who can deliver us from sin. What a wonderful name it is. Does it mean something to you? Do you sing about it? Do you rejoice in it? Do you take the name of Jesus with you into the world, telling others about the Savior? As the church, our hopes are founded upon his name. It is Christ. It is Jesus who we preach. 
It is Jesus who our message of salvation is centered upon. It's a name that denotes salvation. Thomas Boston, a Scottish Puritan, said, He was really born a little child, though the mighty God, an infant, not one day old, yet the everlasting Father, wonderful birth, such as the world never saw before nor ever shall see again. How marvelous it was. He is an excellent name as the Son of God, and we need to remember that. He is the Son of God. Many today, and the focus is upon the baby lying in the manger. You'll see nativity scenes. Where I come from, nativity scenes would be really classed in culture as Roman Catholic. A very few Reformed Protestants would have had a nativity scene. Other parts of the world like here, that might be a little different. Uh, but when we think of the nativity scene, so common today in windows of stores and uh, they're on display. And the great danger we have is that men and women think of Christ as the babe in the manger. Just a little baby. One who was born into the world. The great focus at this time of year, the great focus and gospel focus in many lives is on the babe in the manger, and they forget something. They forget that he has an excellent name as the Son of God, the second person in the Godhead. Christ did not come into existence when he was born and led in the manger or when he was conceived. He existed before. We refer to what happened here in Matthew 1 as the incarnation, the Son of God, the second person becoming man, taking upon himself our flesh. He was not created at this point in time. He existed. There are other Bible verses that refer to him as the creator and going back to the foundation of the world. He is everlasting. He is eternal. And that title, the Son of God, reminds us of that. And it reminds us that that baby in the manger is the Son of God is the second person in the Trinity, one to be honored and respected, one upon whom there is to be reverence, one who did not remain a baby in the manger because he was the eternal Son of God, one who was the great judge, one who died for the sins of his people, one who suffered that sinners and his people, as we see in verse 21, might be saved. We're not to think of the great and mighty Son of God, the Prince of Peace, is just a little baby in the manger. This time we remember his birth, yes, but that's a short time in someone's life. If I refer to you tonight as a little baby, that would be offensive. If I refer to some of the teenagers here as little children, that would be offensive to them. But if I turned and said, you're just like a little baby, I don't think they're going to be too happy with me. Not happy at all. It's an insult. It's an insult. And we need to be careful. We don't always think of Christ as that little baby. That's what the world wants to think. And that's where the focus of the world is. A little baby. 
the Savior, was the eternal Son of God, one who was the judge, one who went to Calvary's cross as the Son of God. He has an excellent name, as the Son of God. We must always remember His deity, His divinity, the fact that He is God. And therefore, He is the judge. A little baby is helpless. A little baby can't do anything against us. We're in control of the little baby. And while the Savior was born and laid in the manger, He was much more and is much more than just a little child. And we need to remember that. And if you're here outside of Christ, you need to remember that. He is your judge. He is the one who died to redeem sinners. He's the one you need to look to. There must be repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then I want you to see, secondly here, that he has an exclusive name as the Savior of sinners. He has an exclusive name as the Savior of sinners. And we see that in verse 21. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. One Savior, one Lord. If we turn to Acts chapter 4 and the verse 10, this is what Peter preached. Or verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The only Savior. We see Christianity and the gospel has at its center the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior. And we need, as the church of Christ, and as individuals, and if you're outside of Christ tonight, you need to understand this. The only way in which you can be saved is through the Savior. There's no other way. No other way. Remember singing the children's chorus when I was young. One way God said to get to heaven... Jesus is the only way, teaching the young, hammering into our heads and our hearts that there is one way of salvation, and that is what the Bible teaches, an exclusive means of salvation. This world likes to think inclusively. There's many ways of salvation, many faiths, and many religions, and they all wind their path through this world and through history. And other religions and faiths come, and they weave together as they go toward the same place, the same destination of eternal life and happiness or whatever it is. And they all take their own little path. It's as if we were going to go to Newlands tomorrow for our, for our meal, and I decide to turn right here on 188 and go that way, and somebody else turns left and goes that way, and someone else goes in the opposite direction. All the roads eventually will take us to new lands. We'll get there eventually. And that's how the world thinks of salvation and eternity. There's plenty of paths. Everyone will take you. All roads, as it were, lead to Rome. You'll get there eventually. It doesn't matter what path or what road you take or what religion you profess. There's all the same destination, but the Word of God stands against that. And this verse tonight stands against that. And the fact that Christ came into the world stands against that. 
Men and women have this time of year. They call it Christmas. And they forget something, that Christ came into the world for he shall save his people from their sins. It's a season named after the exclusive means of salvation. And that's forgotten about. The exclusive means of salvation. If you're trusting tonight in any other way but having faith and repentance in the Savior and casting your sin upon him, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. You're not trusting in the exclusive means of salvation. If you're resting in works, if you're resting in those good things you can accomplish, if you're resting in other faiths or religions or other paths or corruptions of Christianity, because not every pastor or preacher associated with Christianity preaches the truth of God. I've heard many statements over the years that make you wonder why men preach in churches when they have no knowledge of Christ, when they want to go down a path of working in religion, but yet they know nothing about the religion that they're actually supposed to preach. They know nothing about the faith and the confession they're supposed to hold to. It means nothing. They're blind. They're leading the blind. They've no idea of the truth of the gospel because they've never trusted in Christ. And there's all these different paths. All these different paths. There is one path, the path of the Bible. Salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through his precious shed blood. It is an exclusive name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. If there was another way of salvation, now's the time. Now's the time for it to be revealed. In the New Testament, in the letters of Paul, now's the time for it to be shown to us how we can be saved, if not through Christ, through another means. And what do we find? Christ alone is the way of salvation. Are you trusting in him tonight? Are you resting in him? Dear believer, if your faith is in Christ, you're secure. If your faith is in him, you can rest, knowing that all is well with your soul because of the Savior. And then finally, I want you to see it is an effective name for all who believe. An effective name for all who believe. Our text says that he shall save. For he shall save his people from their sins doesn't say that he might, or he may, or he may possibly be able to. If you fell into Vancouver Harbor, there's a little possibility I might be able to save you. I might be able to jump in. I might be able to swim to you. I might be able to pull you to the shore. But it's a very slim possibility if you're relying on me to save you, well, that's not going to happen. It's not certain that's going to happen. But when we think of Christ, and when we think of his purpose for coming into the world, notice, he shall save. He shall save. Why? Because his work is effective. That was his purpose. 
He came into this world not to rule Israel, not to be their deliverer from the Romans, but he came to be the Prince of Peace. If we look at the Old Testament Scriptures, Isaiah 53, it points to Christ coming into this world to be the Savior. What message did he preach? Repent and believe the gospel. An effective name for all who believe. And notice what is said here. For he shall save his people from their sins. There's a people Christ died for. A people that were chosen. A people that were predestinated. A people that he shed his precious blood for. And dear believer tonight, that name is effective for you because you've believed and you've trusted in him and you're included in this verse because you are his people and he came into this world to save, to save. Oh, the transforming power of Christ, the transforming power of his salvation. Do you know the peace of God? Do you know that none but Christ can satisfy? Do you know that effective name in saving you? But when we think of this verse, it gives us something to live for. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Christ came into this world for his people. He was committed for his people. He was committed to the cross of Calvary to die for his people. He redeemed you and I from our sins. His people saved. What about our commitment to him? Because here the angel says, Christ is to be called this name, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. There was commitment, a great and wonderful and divine commitment. But what about our commitment to the Savior? Are we committed to serve him, to live for him, to hold up his name? To rejoice that Jehovah saves to spread that message, Jehovah is salvation because of Christ. To go to those at this time of year who are focused upon the things of the world and say, well, there is salvation. There is a Savior. There is a Redeemer. Oh, tonight that we would not be ashamed to declare Him, to live for Him, to witness to the world that the Lord Jesus Christ shall save his people from their sins. He is an effective name. We can rest secure. We can have a confidence. If you're doubting tonight about salvation, this verse reminds you that he came into the world to save his people. He came into the world to redeem you, believer, to save you, that you would have confidence that all is well with your soul. As we close this evening, what about you? Do you know the Savior? Do you have that confidence in Him? Can you rejoice and proclaim His name and rejoice that there is a Savior for you because you've believed, you've repented, you've trusted in Him. You've realized that His name is Jehovah is salvation, that there's no salvation in any other and you've believed and trusted by the grace of God. May you do so. And may you know his so great salvation for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let us pray.
Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy goodness and grace toward us. We thank Thee for the name of Christ, that name which every man will bow, that glorious name, that mighty name. And Father, we pray this evening that each one would know that name and believe in that name, and that though this world indulges in its sin at this time of year, that we as Thy people would look to the Savior and rejoice in Him and keep our eyes upon Him. We pray, O God, that Thou would bless us this evening, that Thou would bless us throughout this week, that we would think upon this great message of salvation through our Savior, through the babe that was born. We would focus, O God, upon that great truth that He shall save His people from their sins. May it give us joy. May it give us confidence and boldness to go into the world and to hold high that banner of the cross and to witness for Him. Father, challenge our hearts. Give us opportunity to serve the Savior. And we pray that would part us with Thy blessing. May the grace, may the, may the love of God our Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.